Hello and welcome to The Coping Toolbox, a child psychology podcast hosted by clinical psychologists Dr. Layla Dan Osman, Dr. Mary Simray McDonald, and Dr. Jennifer Rend. We hope that this podcast helps parents, children, and teens learn new coping skills in dealing with their stress and anxiety and to help strengthen relationships in their lives. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Coping Toolbox. I'm Dr. Jennifer Vend, and I'm joined once again by Joanne Doucette. A year ago, Joanne and I did an episode about helping your child cope with grief. If you haven't had a chance, please feel free to listen to that episode. As grief is a topic that both Joanne and I are very passionate about, today we will be having a discussion that focuses on grief and the holidays. Joanne has a Master of Social Work from the University of Toronto, her professional experience includes nine years at the Children's Hospital of Eastern Ontario, working in inpatient psychiatry, as well as palliative care. Joanne has been working in private practice since 2009. She has a special focus in working with families facing serious illness, trauma, and grief, including parents who have experienced the death of a child and children who have experienced the death of a parent. There is no fixing grief, but her approach is to help the bereaved to process emotions and learn to live with their loss finding purpose and meaning in their life again. Joanne has played a critical role in my grief journey as well as my son's, and I feel privileged to have her joining us again on The Coping Toolbox. Joanne, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I'm genuinely so happy to be recording this episode with you. It's a really meaningful topic. Wonderful. So I thought we could start today by talking about why the holidays can be so hard when we're grieving. Joanne, can you share with us why this tends to be the case? The holidays just bring up so much emotion in general, I think for everyone, for all of us. And there's all these messages that we sort of take in, that we see, you know, we hear and see in the media and like that are all around us about family and togetherness and joy and happiness. And when people are experiencing grief and are adjusting to the, this huge loss in their life, it's no wonder that that feels like a really heavy expectation and people are really struggling with that. I think too, just thinking about, as you're saying that, it's so hard to get away from if you do need a bit of space from it, right? Like with the holidays, in some ways it's nice when you're in the right place because it's so in your face, but maybe if you're not in the right place for it, everywhere you go, you're hearing music or people are talking about it or what people are saying to you. It's probably really challenging if you're just trying to get a little bit of space from it. Exactly. The holidays are so, I mean, the lead up to the holidays starts very early, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, even before Halloween, but as soon as those Halloween decorations come down, it's just all around us, you know, in stores you go into, you know, in ads you're seeing, like, it's just everywhere. And you're right, you can't get a break from it. And then, of course, when you actually get to the holiday season, you know, there's about a two week period where everything just slows right down. People are mm -hmm. off work schools on break. And so people also don't have those like normal routines that sometimes can actually give some structure and a sense of normalcy when you're dealing with grief. So yeah, you're right. People are very much um, have a lot of time to be exposed to all of that and to be thinking and feeling um, a lot of grief. Right. So it's common to feel a mix of feelings during the holidays. Can you tell us about some of the feelings commonly experienced by people who are grieving? 
such a big range, you know, there's um, families will talk to me about feeling, um, of course, a lot of sadness and um, sometimes jealousy and envy of others maybe who, you know, have their whole family together and are not experiencing like that missing person at the dinner table on their holiday. Um, so those are really normal feelings. Then they might also be followed by feeling kind of some guilt or, you know, like, well, I shouldn't be feeling this way. And so there's a lot of pressure on people who are grieving and like this whole mix of emotions that come up. And of course, if we try and avoid or suppress those emotions too much, then that can lead to other feelings like resentment and anger. And it's a lot for people to cope with. That's for sure. As you're saying that, I'm thinking, I, I think that was one of the, one of the many helpful things for me was just knowing it is okay to have some of those feelings, like in particular, the jealousy, the resentment, mm. those feelings don't feel good, but if it, it makes sense to have those feelings, right? And, and just to allow yourself to have those feelings and that's part of the grief process. Absolutely. People often will tell me in therapy when they're experiencing grief, okay, I have this secret to tell you. I feel really jealous of my friends who aren't dealing with this particular loss. And I hate feeling that way because that's not me. And you're right, it's so uncomfortable to feel these emotions that seem like bad feelings. But the truth is feelings are quite, emotions are quite involuntary. I always like the analogy if they just wash over us like waves. Now, what we do with those emotions, like our behaviors and how we react to them, we have a little more control over. But actually feeling those feelings is is completely normal and okay. There's no bad feelings. Anger is not a bad feeling, even though we take in a lot of messages about that. So you're right, just knowing that it's normal. And um, I think that helps people a lot to maybe be a little more gentle with themselves and not layer shame on top of that feeling. Exactly. I think that's the big thing is sort of not only am I feeling bad, but now I feel bad for feeling bad and I feel <laughs> even worse. So trying to avoid that cycle, right? That's right. Right. The being gentle and stopping and saying to yourself, like, of course, I'm feeling this whole range of emotions and none of my emotions are bad. I feel what I feel and that's okay. It's really that idea of being compassionate with yourself and just being able to notice what you're feeling and acknowledge it to yourself and also remind yourself that does not make you a bad person for feeling that way or even having certain thoughts. Right. So do you have some ideas for families who are grieving and how to help them navigate through the holiday season? So in my experience working with many grieving families, there's, I guess, a few piece of it, pieces of advice that I would put out there while also acknowledging it's going to be so unique and different for each and every person. So a few themes that seem to come up a lot and be helpful when we're looking at coping with the holidays would be, first of all, acknowledging that grief is part of your family's experience during this holiday season by actually talking about it and coming up with some kind of plan of how you're actually gonna actively mourn. And that doesn't mean that your holiday is gonna become all about mourning. And when I say mourning, it's that idea of actually doing something to acknowledge the grief, not just holding all the feelings inside, but actually taking some kind of action. And that can be a very small thing. It just needs to be meaningful and an acknowledgement. 
So an example would be um, many of the families I work with will, you know, cook or bake something that was that person's favorite food. And it's just a way of saying we're thinking of that person. We're thinking of our loved one. We're including them in some way in this day. Um, it could be buying an ornament that's in memory of that person and putting it on the tree. Or it could be going to a specific place that holds meaning. Maybe a park bench, you know, that you've somehow you know, made a kind of in honor of them, or it might be the cemetery, but that's not the case for everyone. You know, it really varies, but just acknowledging and being kind of a team as a family in terms of coming up with the plan. Right. And I know you talked a little bit about the difference between grief and mourning in our previous episode, but if you don't mind, maybe you can talk a little bit about that today as well. Yes. So grief is all about the internal experience. We just talked about all the emotions that be, can, right. can be connected to grief. So those feelings we have and what's going on inside of us is our grief, which we carry. And then mourning is the active expression of that grief. So it's when we actually do something that is connected to all those feelings. So for example, when people go to grief therapy and they're talking about their loved one, they're mourning, they're expressing that grief. When you visit the cemetery, those are maybe the classic ones. When you hold some kind of memorial event, those are all ways of actively mourning. But actively mourning can also be about these other little rituals that we were talking about, you know, finding connections to the person who has died and keeping their memory alive. Right. So as you were talking, one of the things that came to mind that some people may worry about is if we do this particular act and kind of spend this time focused on our loved one, is that going to make us more sad? Is that going to make it harder? Mm. So what are your thoughts about that? I, I think as you were talking, I was like, it almost seems like the grief is there and the, the ritual that you're choosing is a way of kind of expressing it and letting some of it out. But what are your thoughts about that? It's such a great point, Jen. And this comes up all the time when I'm working with families that there's often a real fear of, well, what if I was to say this or do this, and then it makes my other family members feel sad. Right. And so in really loving, caring families, there's this almost tiptoeing around the grief that sometimes can occur because family members will say to me, well, you know, I think, I think my dad is actually having like a really good day. So why would I bring up that I want to do this to remember mom, for example? What if it makes him sad? Just as one example. And, you know, this is all about love and trying to protect the people you love. It comes from such a good place. But what I would say is everybody is at some point during the holidays going to be thinking about that person who has mm -hmm. died. Mm -hmm. The loss is there anyways. When you talk about it and you acknowledge it, you're just bringing it to the surface. And that actually feels so much better. So what all these families have taught me over the years is that if they try and just sort of power through and think, no, like we can be okay and let's just pretend, let's try and do the normal things and pretend we're okay, that ends up feeling not very good later on. So then, for example, people can think, well, I feel kind of guilty because I didn't acknowledge my loved one. Like they are so important still and we didn't talk about him or her. Does that make sense? It's kind of like... It, in the short term, it might feel uncomfortable, but what I always encourage people to do is 
talk about it anyway, acknowledge it anyway, because then you can feel really proud of how you're honoring your loved one. And you can also feel proud of how you're not suppressing emotion and you're actually supporting each other and giving each other opportunities to express what's going on on the inside. Yeah. And what I like about it as well is you have a little bit of control, not too much, obviously, but a little bit of control. You can choose how big or how small you would like that ritual to be. And that may change over the years, right? But just trying to know that it's going to happen and just being aware and knowing that it probably is going to be hard, especially the first couple of times you do it, but it gives you that little sense of control. Yes. And I think as humans, it's really normal that we often want to move away from painful feelings. You know, we Mm -hmm. look to protect ourselves. And so just noticing that and then being able to remind yourself as someone who's grieving, okay, I don't have to do it all the time. Just take my grief in little doses and here and there move towards that uncomfortable feeling and and notice how that feels. And I love your point, Jen, about what you do. So, for example, it's often a big challenge for people that first year the first holiday season without a loved Mm -hmm. one. And 100%, you do not have to do the same thing every year. And it feels like a lot of pressure to determine, okay, what's going to be our tradition to remember our loved one? And will it be the right one? Well, what you do that first year, you might do something different the next year. And that's completely okay. Mm -hmm. And I think too, the other piece to that is if you didn't do something maybe the first year or even the second year or later years, you can still do it later on. Yes. Oh, yeah. It's never too late. And in fact, you know, that first year without that person is there's so much shock and numbness and adjustment going on. Often families will say the second year sometimes emotionally is a bit more of a roller coaster because you're feeling everything sometimes even more intensely in different ways. And so, yes, it it makes a lot of sense that people may have kind of just survived the first year and then now have a little more mental space and are feeling things a lot and able to come up with some other ways of remembering their loved one and coping with grief. Right, right. So what if a family chooses, and I've heard of this before, and they want to skip the holidays? Do you think this is an option? What are your thoughts about skipping the holidays? Hmm. So many families I work with decide to do things very differently during the holidays. And it is a way that people may look at it. Just let's just skip the holidays. So a few thoughts on that. One would be that some people really do benefit from just completely changing things up. So for example, if your family usually hosts all the extended family, it sounds like it would be often a wise decision to say, you know what? it would be a nice change of scenery to go to another family member's house and let them do the hosting and change things up. And and that's a good example of coping. And if that feels right to you and some families travel, they don't want to be home and that can work well for them too. The thing to know is that if you travel, I always just give people a little caution. Good. Like that might give your mind and body a break from the grief. You'll also feel it when you come back home and that's okay because you've maybe still had a break and maybe that's right for you. Um, so another point I would just make around skipping the holidays is if there's kids involved, most times kids tell me they really still look forward to the holidays and they want to enjoy the holidays. So they love, whether it's Christmas or Hanukkah or whatever your holidays are, kids love traditions. 
They love experiencing those same traditions every year. They love the togetherness. Um, they also love presents. <laughs> of course, that's part of being a kid. And so I always work with parents to come up with a balance of, yes, set some limits and take good care of yourself. And maybe you're going to do less than you usually do. But what can you still maintain for the kids? And I've had when I've run grief groups, I remember one time, you know, working with kids around preparing for the holidays and asking them, you know, like what their feelings were about it. And all of them finally coming together and saying, like, we actually love the holidays and we still want to have fun, you know, and this is a way that we can also honor the difference between kids and adults is, yes, kids are going to feel a lot of sadness and have a lot of emotions come up. They're also good at being in the moment and they want and they want to still experience some of the joy. Right. Right. That makes sense. So chances are, if you have lost someone and the holidays are approaching, you're going to experience some really big feelings. Joanne, do you have some suggestions for managing those really difficult emotions? Yeah, there's a few different ideas that I would share. So we sort of touched on this a little earlier in our conversation. And I know it sounds really simple, but it's actually a strategy worth trying which is, first of all, working on this idea of Mm self-compassion. I'm allowed to feel everything I feel and actually taking a pause, even if it's just for a couple of minutes, when you're feeling a big rush of emotion to kind of close your eyes, notice what's happening in your body, notice the emotions, the physical feelings, the thoughts that are there, and just be able to acknowledge that to yourself and remind yourself that that is all within you know, the, the norm for grief to have these big, this big roller coaster of emotions and to really work on this idea of being kind to yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to coping with big emotions, we want to think about decreasing stress and increasing self-care. Right. So what can you cut back on, say no to what is going to feel meaningful and, and kind of fill you up emotionally at this time And giving yourself permission to do that, which depending on the person, especially for people that are very much about taking care of everybody else and really wanting to please everyone, that can be a real challenge. But it becomes especially important when you're going through grief and and when the holidays arrive. Right. So this is actually a perfect time because I wanted to ask a little bit about trying to come up with a bit of a script for saying no to people because it can be really challenging to say no. So for example, if perhaps you are, you're feeling pressure to attend a family event and you've thought about your needs and you've decided maybe in this case that you're not going to go, can we talk a little bit about what, how you might frame that to your family member? Yes. So this is a skill that we all need to practice sometimes. And what I, the way I like to break it down for people is so reminding everybody you have a right to take good care of yourself and your, and your family, and you do have a right to decline invitations or set boundaries with people, including with people that you love. So think of a three-step process. You can start with some acknowledgement and empathy of you know, the person that you're talking to, what their intentions are, because I think most people's intentions are usually pretty good. Mm -hmm. So something like, thanks so much, you know, for that invitation. And I really appreciate how you're looking out for us and trying to include us over the holidays. That means a lot. Number two, just say a little bit about how you feel. 
I feel really overwhelmed right now dealing with our grief and, you know, trying to take good care of ourselves. And number three, say what you need. So this is where you can just say no, set the limit, your boundary. So for example, we're going to decline this invite because we're really being cautious about how much we take on. But thanks again for thinking of us. So really that kind of three-step process, right? Just some acknowledgement or empathy of which for a lot of people feels good to still be sensitive to the person they're talking to. But the most important parts actually are stay how you feel and say what you need. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And I guess it's this tricky balance as I, I asked this question and then I was thinking you want to be careful to be addressing your needs and thinking about your needs, but you also don't want to isolate yourself or your family or like, you know, your kids from some of these events. So it is tricky to kind of find that balance between am I isolating for, you know, am I isolating myself or am I choosing not to do this because it's too much for me right now? That is really hard to figure out. And I, I often help people to talk through that. And I would recommend to anyone listening, like, do you have a person in your life who's a really good listener who can maybe help you distinguish between, you know, what might be challenging for me to do? Because I have to, like, push myself a little bit, for example, to be around people or just to engage in a tradition that brings up really big emotions connected to the person that you've lost. But when is it good to move towards that and give yourself that little challenge because you may get such benefits from it? So, for example, it might be hard to go to the event with the extended family, but then once you get there, even though there's parts of it that are triggering emotions, you also maybe get the reward of a lot of social support, feeling connected with other people you love, right? Watching perhaps your kids play with cousins and feel feel the happiness of the holidays. So I think it's good for people to just pause and maybe you know, think about there's usually a lot going on over the holidays. So there may be a few things that you're going to do, even though it's hard for you, but you know that there's rewards that will come of it. And then if there are some things that feel like I am only doing this to make other people happy, and it really is not going to be very beneficial to me, I'm not, I'm going to just like have to give so much energy and not get much back. Those would be good things to consider saying no to for now. I don't know if that's helpful. It is hard to work through. Definitely helpful. The other thing that came to mind for me that I found helpful was just because you don't know how you're going to feel until you're there. So sometimes <clears throat> having some sort of a an exit plan is helpful. Yes. So whether that means that you maybe leave the event early or even just saying when, when you were talking about your needs earlier, like, okay, I'm going to try and come. I don't know how I'm going to be coping is there a room I can go to if I just need some space or if I just need some quiet and just kind Mm -hmm. of figuring out, maybe there's a couple of options for a bit of a uh, reprieve if you're feeling like it's just very overwhelming. Yeah, that's another good example, right? Of people being able to just really put themselves first and know that that's okay. And that usually people will understand that as well, right? Especially if we're kind of honest and vulnerable about it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, going to an event, but knowing that you don't have to stay till midnight because you know what? Grief is exhausting. Yeah. So yeah. it is really normal when we're grieving that our, you know, our energy is lower and we have to kind of take good care of ourselves. So getting to bed at a decent time, for example, on Christmas Eve, so you still have something to give on Christmas Day makes so much sense. Yeah. So I think it's you're right. It's so good for people to remember, <clears throat> excuse me, that there's a middle ground. 
Right, right. So another thing I wanted to talk about today was the ring theory. You've talked a little bit before with me about the ring theory. Can you explain how that works? Yes, I love the ring theory because it provides a bit of a visual and a framework for thinking about support when you're grieving. So if you imagine sort of like a visual of a circle in the middle of a picture, like a pebble has dropped into a pond. And then there's like all the sort of ripples that go outwards. So if you imagine there's sort of bigger rings that are going around. So you want to think about how people that are in your life that are also connected to the loss. We want to think about how the people that are most affected are in those inner circles. So, for example, right in the middle, that first smallest circle would be, you know, if we have a family where um uh, a parent has died, you know, the kids, the partner, they're right there, you know, and then, you know, of course, the the p- grandparents, aunts and uncles, you know, best friends are all in those rings extending out. And then the wider community is sort of in those outer rings. And so support always needs to be going inward from the outer rings to the inner rings. And the complaints and venting need to be going out. Yeah. And Of course, there's always some little exceptions to that and everybody's different, but generally this is something that's really helpful. So thinking about as you go into the holidays, even if you are affected by that loss, keeping in mind the people that are in those like inner rings, right? So if you're an extended family member, and I think this is good for us today because many of the people listening, so it's good for us to talk about, you know, if you know people in your extended family, you know, close friends of yours who have been through a big loss this year, thinking about how, you know, at the holiday time, what can you do to support those people that are most affected? That always feels really good too, you know, to be Mm -hmm. able to drop off a meal or just reach out with a supportive message and acknowledgement of their grief. And then I hope that those people who are also affected by the loss, who are doing supporting, that they get support from other people who are more removed too. Right. Yeah. Yep. I really like that. Mm -hmm. So another thing I wanted to talk a little bit about is just supporting children. And we've touched on this a bit already, but what about supporting children going through grief during the holidays? Can, Can we talk about some specific suggestions for that? Yeah, the first thing I would say to any, you know, adults that are listening to this is the more you take care of yourself, the better, the better resourced you're going to be to take care of the kids in your life. So I just want parents and other adults in the lives of kids who have been very affected by a loss to know it is so important for you to take care of you. And so this is where our conversation about being able to set some boundaries and limits around demands at the holidays, that's for you. And you deserve to be well, but also that's going to benefit your kids because then you're going to show up for them with more energy. So that's one thing I would say. Yeah, I actually, I I found that one really helpful for for myself going through our grief. And it's just, it's hard. It's really hard as a parent and you're so much of your life, you're focused on others. But as you say, if you're not taking care of yourself, you're not going to be as present for those that need you. Yeah, you're so, like, I'm sure you remember, Jen, just wanting to do everything for your child, right, to make mm. things special for them. But then, you know, if as a parent, you're feeling completely burnt out and overwhelmed emotionally, that becomes very difficult to do. So yeah, reminding yourselves as parents, like, okay, it's okay for me to, you know, take care of myself, take some little breaks, fit in some things for me to fill me up, because then my kid is going to see me mm-hmm. doing okay, 
And that at the end of the day, I continue to see all the time working with kids who have grief in their family. They are looking to the grownups. Are they okay? If they see that the grownups around them are, you know, feeling lots of emotions and grieving, but also still okay, that creates such security for them. So that would be the first thing I would say. The second thing is for us always to remember that kids are not mini grownups. They are different developmentally, you know, they're at a different stage of their lives, which actually has a lot of positives when it comes to grief. So kids, as we said, are quite good at, they can chunk their grief so they can be one moment having all their big feelings and maybe crying and expressing some sadness. And then half an hour later, they can be genuinely happy and playing and in the moment. So Mm -hmm. let's, you know, remember to honor that and know that, you know, if, if there's moments over the holidays where you just see your kids really in the moment and experiencing joy, it's not that they're in denial or, you know, suppressing or like kids are able to do that. So this is where it's really good, um, you know, to think also about how can we involve kids and use those wonderful qualities of kids, their playfulness, their creativity? How can we use that to really work on coping with grief? So when we involve kids and we empower them to think about, hey, like what would be a really special way that we could remember our loved one who died over the holidays? Kids come up with great ideas, often better ideas than we can come up with as adults. So we should really involve them and, you know, think about collaborating with them to come up with those plans and hear, ask them openly what their needs are. And along with that, what I would say is that sometimes when we just ask kids, they also might say things like every kid is different. So they might be a little bit hesitant, you know, like, well, what is okay? So then you can take the lead in those situations and throw out some ideas to kind of get it going and to also model, no, I really want to do this too. It's okay for us to acknowledge our grief. So I often just say to parents, we can't always wait for kids to start the conversation. They're often looking to the grownups. And we want to model for them. We can talk about this. We can do some things to remember the person. And that tends to be helpful for kids too. Great, great. So before we wrap up, are there any thoughts that you have that maybe we didn't cover or anything that you wanted to talk a little bit more about that we didn't have time for? I think we covered a lot of what is really important. If I were to just like sort of highlight in my work with grieving families, the themes that seem like most important in terms of supporting them, it would be don't compare yourself to others. Everybody's grief journey is unique and is going to be different. So don't worry about in general how other people seem over the holidays, because what we see on the surface often does not show the whole story. And even people who aren't going through intense grief have ups and downs over the holidays. But don't compare yourself to others. Really be true to you and your needs and your family, what you want to do. Um, I would also say the more you can work on self-compassion and being gentle with yourself, the more that you're probably going to notice you're able to cope with all the emotions that come up over the holidays. And the other point I would just really want to highlight is that idea of we want to work on expressing grief rather than keeping it in and knowing that's okay. Even in a, a society where there's a lot of kind of messaging around getting over it or moving on, which is not healthy 
know that it's okay for you to acknowledge your grief and, and there's no timeline for grief. Okay. Yeah. As you were, the, I think the last point actually really hit me where you talked a bit about the importance of letting some of the grief out. And I think, I know from my own experience that you sometimes feel like you don't want to cry in front of your child, mm. or you don't want to cry in front of other people because you're worried about them being affected by that. But you know, when I look at what we're talking about today and the the modeling that we've talked about and crying is not a bad thing. I mean, you don't want to be crying 24 mm-hmm. seven, but at the same time, letting your child know that it is okay for you to cry sometimes and it's okay for them to cry too, right? And I think this idea that we have to keep it bottled in and we always have to appear like we've got it under control, it's just, it's impossible, right? So allowing yourself, and I think that's yeah. part of the self-care is just recognizing that it is okay to let some of those emotions out and know that it's okay for your child to see some of those emotions as well. Yeah, it's so important for adults to really model that for kids. Like just, it gives such permission for kids to express their own vulnerable feelings when they see the adults doing that, right? So we talked before about showing kids we're okay, but one way we actually show kids we're okay is by like showing the vulnerability and allowing the tears to come, but then still being there in the conversation and, and being able to take part in things with your family. Like that shows that is showing that you're okay, that you feel everything and, and you're still, you're still there. You're still showing up. You're connecting with each other. It's such a valuable thing to model for kids. And also I want to acknowledge it's really not easy for everyone because of all the messages we take in about somehow vulnerability being equated with weakness, which we as therapists know is 100% not true. It actually takes a lot of courage. But but then I would say, Jen, like to your point, I felt that too in moments where I've dealt with grief. I notice myself holding back the tears and later I'll kind of ask myself like, why that of course this is the time right when for example when all the emotions are coming up at the holidays yeah it's so important to acknowledge them yeah definitely well joanne i want to thank you again for for being a guest on the coping toolbox it's so wonderful to have you and thank you for all of your input um really appreciate it we will be sure to attach some helpful resources to our episode and always a big thank you to our listeners Thanks, Jen. This was a great conversation. And I just want to send just send a message of care and support to everybody listening who's experiencing grief. Know that you're not alone. You know, there's many people going through it. And we're thinking of you. And we hope this helps a little bit. Thank you, Joanne.